How's everybody feeling this morning? I'm going to go ahead and stand right here close to this little table today. Uh, <laughs> my four-year-old came in to, to right before the service with massive tears. And uh, I said, what's the matter, honey? And she said, don't fall into the pit, Daddy. And so, uh, and so I'm not going to. That was awesome. And we're excited for the high school that's running their production. And, uh, and I thought, man... W- all of a sudden, Beck turned that into like a prophetic word for the church this morning, and so glory to God. We're so excited that you are here joining us in week one of uh, this Hey DJ series, and we'll get there in just a minute, but I want to take a moment right off the top, and I want to celebrate some of what's starting the year here at Resonate. Pastor Troy just mentioned 21 days of prayer, but there's lots going on. Something else I want to mention is that this Thursday night, we are having our first ever creative collective, and what this means is if you are a creative or you want to be creative, uh, or you're a part of a creative team at our church, like worship or service production, event design, graphic design, video production, it just anything. We are gathering for some inspiration, some culture, some vision together on this Thursday night. It's going to be at Black Sugar Coffee in Port Moody. We've got the place rented out for the night at 7.30. And so if you are creative or you want to be creative, come hang out with us on Thursday night. That's going to be uh, amazing. Our team has put together a great night for you. The second thing is that in two weeks, we're starting a new season of our Resonate groups. We just believe that God does his best work in us in the context of relationships. So this morning, I've asked a friend of mine, Carlos, to come help me out. Uh, he and his wife, Gemma, have been coming to Resonate now for six months, about that. I remember it well because when you, um, when you started coming uh, it was in July, I think it was July 9th, because July 16th or 15th was our serve day. And so I showed up on the serve day on the Saturday, I went to the townhouse site, and I saw this guy like swinging a hammer and just going at the place, just absolutely annihilating and fixing this place up uh, for a low-income townhome in the city. Uh, our mayor had given us the keys, asked us to fix it up. I'm like, I don't even know who this guy is. I walk in, I'm like, man, where did you come from? How long have you been coming to the church? He said, I just came for the first time last Sunday, but I heard we were serving people. And so I showed up today, and I was like, well, that, that's the kind of guy I want to get to know right there. And so now you are, uh, you're in a small group. You also serve on our guest connections team. And so why don't you go ahead and tell us why you ended up coming to Resonate and a little bit of what getting connected looked like for you. Yeah, absolutely. Good morning, church. Um, I, you know, one, it's, it's funny, totally off script. I think one of the biggest reasons, so well, I'll start with this. So uh, Stephen Talley Major invited us to church, and we're moving from Surrey to Coquitlam. We're looking to build uh, a local church here. We wanted to just add value to people and just get into the lives of people, and so Resonate um, became a logical thing for us at that point because of what we experienced. The fact that your pastor remembers the date that you came to church for the first time I mean, like, that's huge. So, um, but Pastor Troy invited us. He he made um. We should do two mics so I can just jump in. But that's a lot of pressure right there. If I don't know when you came to church, I still love you. We think that you're wonderful. Jordy, we need another mic. I need to get the humor in here. Is this one on? Hey, oh, hey. 
Uh, Pastor Troy made, made a personal invitation, and Gemma and I were not planning on joining a small group, uh, predominantly because I had a wrong perspective on what I thought it was. Wow. Um, and as a leader of my household, I had made a decision that we weren't going to join one. Wow. Okay, so what then kind of changed it for you? Was there, uh, you just kind of thought, I'll give it a try, or an invitation came out? How did it? Yeah, it was a personal invitation. So Pastor Troy walked up to us, and, and he kind of gave us uh, an idea, a vision of what he was, he was going to be building with, with Rachel, um, and it was just a personal connection. You know, yeah. he, he, got the, he took the time to get to know us, ask some questions, and they just made a personal invitation. That's huge, man. And I think the big thing is, like, you know, if you've never been to a small group, I mean, I, I know for myself, uh, I never wanted to attend a small group. I'm like, I'm not a groups guy. I don't want to, I don't, I don't do groups. Um, but then I experienced the personal life change when I first started to, to actually open up a little bit and be a part of something like that. So why don't you tell, uh, you know, the church now, so you were only a part of one semester, one season of groups, but like talk about kind of the personal change or what happened for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think it takes, you know, I don't think it takes years for your life to be changed. I think when you, when you genuinely, when you pray and when you connect with God at an intimate level and you allow other people to do life with you, um, I think a lot of the times the stories that you'll hear at those small group meetings, we'll start chipping away at that hard heart and softening it. But I think more profoundly what will impact, uh, what impacted me was being able to share my stories, things that I thought were normal for me, yeah. and then hearing people tell me, hey, maybe that's not normal. Maybe you should actually d- dig deep into that. Yeah. And so that, that, that was probably the biggest thing. That's amazing, man. So now we're two weeks away, and so there's some people here that like you know that are in the same place you were at, where you're showing up new. Maybe you don't know anyone. I met some people brand new in the four minutes there. And so, um, what would you say to people who are brand new, or maybe been coming for a while, and are just maybe thinking about joining the group? What would be your recommendation to them? I mean, just do it. Um, <laughs> I, I I think it's just it's it's really simplifying it. I think if you're at a, at a place where you think you might need an extra you know, a little bit of community or where you want to add, maybe it's not something you need. Maybe you just want to add value to people. You know, there's always those both sides of the spectrum where it's maybe not you needing something, but you just want it. You have so much, your, your cup is overflowing so much that you want to give. Mm. Um, and I, I think when you do that, even if you don't think you need something, you're going to get something tremendous out of it. I know we did, yeah. you know, and, and the excuses of, oh, but we have kids or we're too busy. Like those were our excuses, um, our reasons and we just dealt with it. Wow. All right, man. Well, that's great. Can we give it up for Carlos? Thanks, bro. So we really do believe that this is one of the strengths of our church, doing life together in the context of small groups. And we do a free market approach to our groups around here, which means that you can take something that you're already into and turn that into a small group. And so we have groups that meet around uh, sports, creative things like painting. We'll get together and paint. What we say is the reason you get together, that was just a hook to get you to know the people in your group so that at some point you could take down the mask. You have to have time with people before you're able to take down the mask. And every one of us needs to have people in our lives that we're doing that with. And it might not even be in the context of a large group setting where there's 10 people in the room where you're like pouring out your heart. But over time with that group, you build enough relationships so that when you go for coffee one-to-one, with that guy uh, in your group or that girl in your group, and you actually are able to talk for real about what's going on in your life. And one of the best ways, most effective ways that you can serve here at Resonate is actually by leading 
one of our Resonate groups. And so today, after the service, after both services, actually, we have small group leader training happening. It's going to be just head to kids check-in and head down the stairs. We've got child care provided for you, and we've got food. And really, leading a group is actually easier than you might think. And so I'd encourage you, if you've ever thought about it, you think you want to lead one now, or you might want to lead one in the future, go ahead, dive in. Uh, Jess is going to be leading that today, the training, and uh, go check that out, and maybe God will stir your heart to start something this year. We're believing to have around about 30, we had 33, uh, <coughs> 33 likely groups uh, on the board when we met with our groups team uh, just a few days ago, which is incredible, because right now on a Sunday, we have anywhere between 300, 350 people attending our church, which means that there is a group for about one out of every, for every 10 people, there's a group, which is just, that's incredible. There's something for you. And so I want to go ahead. Can you just go ahead and give it up for those who've already decided they're going to lead something? hey So good. And don't think because of that that we don't need you. Uh, maybe you even just partner up with somebody else and help them and make the load easier and do it together. Come on. So let's get into Hey DJ. This one, I'm just going to take a step back. Let's get into Hey DJ this morning just like this. This is an important series. We're going to have a great time. As Pastor Troy said, we're going to have DJ dance parties for the kids. We got Dan just spinning it in worship. But this is a significant series, and here's why. For every single one of us, there's a soundtrack that's playing in our minds. And the soundtrack largely stays the same from day to day and month to month and year to year. You might have the same soundtrack going in your mind that you had when you were 14 years old. And I believe as we start a new year, it's time to spin a new track in our minds. I believe God has new thoughts for you. God wants to change the track in 2019. The Bible has a lot to say about our thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, Paul says this, he says, Take every thought captive to obey Christ. Every single thought that is going through your mind, you should be considering, do you belong here or not? And Paul is well acquainted with pain and with suffering and with challenge, hardships in life. He's saying, if you're going to make it through all these things that are, are going to definitely come into your life, what do you need to be able to do? Well, you need to be able to have control over the thoughts that are in your mind, something God wants to give you. The Bible says a lot about our thinking. And, and what I want to do this morning is I want to unpack one area of the soundtrack that I think plays way too much for every single one of us here, and it's the soundtrack of fear. The soundtrack of fear is playing for all of us all the time. It spins. We know these thoughts. I'm afraid of what the stock market is going to do. I'm afraid of where my kids are at and what they are doing. I'm afraid that I'm not going to have enough. I'm afraid of what others think about me. And if we're going to uh, change that track, we need to see what the Bible has to say about changing the track of fear. I know for myself growing up, I had so much of my life was built on fear-based decision-making. How many people, you, you use fear-based decision-making from time to time? It's like, not where do I want to go with my life, uh, not what do I want to be doing with my life, but well, I'm afraid I'm not going to have enough, and so that's the decision I'm going to make. Or I'm going to afraid that my kids are going to end up, and so rather than having intentionality for what I'm doing with my kids, I'm just afraid of something, and that's why I'm treating them the way that I'm treating them. Fear-based decision-making. I, I, like, when I was in uh, high school, I, I was 17 years old, 
And how many people, you had a high school guidance counselor. Your school had one of these. I don't know, I grew up in Ontario. Is this a normal thing out here, high school guidance counselor? Yeah, this is okay. Clearly, this, this happens out here as well. I, I thought this was amazing. The school board, what, what wonderful people. They have, they have paid for somebody to come alongside 17-year-old me and tell me how I can achieve my dreams. I'm so excited that I have this mandatory appointment with someone who's getting paid to tell me how I can go after it in life. Now, I want you to picture 17-year-old me just so you can see, see the scene. I was, uh, I was the same height as I am now. I was six feet tall. I was about 105 pounds. Uh, I, <laughs> I had curly, like long curly hair. If you go onto like early Instagram for me or early Facebook, you will see the long curly hair I'm referencing. And it, and, and it was gelled. And, and I mean, not like stiff gelled. I mean, it was gelled. It was just dripping all day. There was gel dripping <laughs> off of my hair. Pastor Brent one of our overseers, laughing in the front row. You hired me when the gel was dripping off of my hair. I don't know why. Love the gel. Glory to God. Rachel's still using it, by the way, but looks good on her. Thank you, Jesus. I wanted to look like, it's just weird. I didn't even, it was before we, I don't understand it. That's how we knew we were meant to be together. We looked at the gelled hair and we're like, you're the one. So I walk, in my, I walk into the appointment, I sit down, and she says to me, Shane, tell me what you want to do with your life. And I said, I'm planning to become a musician. Now I'm expecting her to just start to tell me, well, this is now the school, this is how we can help you apply. But her countenance just kind of looked confused, disappointed, and possibly fearful. And she looked, I'll never remember it, I remember this very vividly, sitting in her office. She looked across the table at me and she says, you should not be a musician, you'll never make any money. And so now, like, you know, I'm, I'm now slumped over in the chair. And the thought comes to me that maybe this is just tough love. Like, she's using, she's using reverse psychology. She just wants to be sure that I really know how I'm going to go after this thing. I thought, okay, I'm going to tell her. And then she'd be like, you see, I knew you would get this. And so I said, well, here are the disciplines of my life. And here's how hard I work on this. And here's why it matters to me. And here's what I plan to do apart from your help, which I was expecting. Here's what I'm going to do to become a professional musician. I laid it all out for her. And it was like she heard nothing I said. She just looked at me and she said, you need to re-register for Math 12. Nobody makes any money without Math 12. And I'm like, well, how do they hire you? Like, what are the job qualifications for a high school guidance counselor? Like, Miss Phillips, what will you say to the kid that comes in with a dream? I'm going to tell them they're not going to make any money. You're hired. You go tell those kids they're never going to make anything with their lives. They're not going to have any money. They're not going to have any jobs. Their kids' pets are going to fall apart. Like, I don't... <laughs> I tried a Dumb and Dumber reference right there, and it just, our pets' heads are falling off would be the reference. Our kids' pets are falling apart. You know, my high school guidance counselor lives in a lot of your minds. You are making decisions on the basis of trying to avoid fear as opposed to what has God called me to do with my life. And if we're actually going to walk away from fear, we need to understand what God has given us to deal with fear in our lives. And so I believe there's really three kind of broad areas of dealing with fear that the Bible lays out for us. I want to walk through each of them today. And the first thing we need to do if we're going to deal with the soundtrack of fear is we need to start with a question. It starts with a question. Here's the question I think we need to start with. The question is, why am I afraid? In, in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus and his disciples are in a boat and they're traveling. And all of a sudden a storm comes and the, and the boat starts to fill up with water. 
And Jesus, you know, a lot of you'll know the story. Jesus is asleep in the boat. And so the disciples panic, and they go, and they wake Jesus. And out of this panic, they're asking him to save them. Jesus wakes up, opens up his eyes, and he asks them a question. And the question is this, in verse 26, why are you afraid? Notice he did not say, what are you afraid of? What is an obvious answer? We're afraid of waves coming into the boat, capsizing the boat, and us drowning. The, the question why has a much more difficult thought process that we have to wrestle with. What is obvious? It's the waves. But to answer why, I have to admit that I'm not trusting Jesus to do anything about it. Why are you afraid? Jesus is wanting to highlight that the reason there's fear in our lives is always a trust issue. It's always pointing to an area in our lives where we are not trusting God. God wants us to think about why we are afraid. Oftentimes there is a fear behind the fear. You know, people would think, well, I'm just afraid of public speaking. It might not be a fear of public speaking. It's a fear of what people think about you. And then not just a fear of what people think about you, it's a fear of what I will think about myself if you don't think good about me. There's fears behind the fears, and God is saying, why are you so afraid? You need to investigate this, because you're not going to know the thoughts to turn off in your mind unless you first understand why you're afraid. The Bible says that fear in no way comes from God. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, God has not given you, Timothy, a spirit of fear. So fear in no way comes from God. But what's God given you? He's given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so if fear is not coming from God, then we need to ask ourselves, well, where is it coming from? Well, it's coming from the devil. It is a spirit. Fear is a spiritual battle. I'm going to preach on like 11 all morning. I don't know if you're ready for The 11.15 is going to be ready for 11. But fear is a spiritual battle. The devil try to come in and get in your thinking and approach everything in your life from a space of fear. But that's not what God said. No, God's given you something different to deal with fear. He's, he's given you resources. He's already paid for it and made a way for you to receive power and love and a sound mind. The starting point to saying, how do I change the soundtrack, is really just to say, well, why am I so afraid? And I need to see that I got a trust issue that needs some dealing with. Well, what's the second thing the Bible teaches us when it comes to dealing with fear? It's this, it's that we need to actually not just know why we're afraid, but once you've identified the thinking that's making you afraid, it's time to set a guard on your mind. This is what Paul already told us. Take every thought captive. Not just take some thoughts captive, like every thought... Before anything comes into your mind, it should be subjected to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Does this belong in my mind? Isaiah says it slightly differently, but same sort of thought process. It says that God's going to keep in perfect peace all who trust in him, all whose thoughts are fixed on God. So who's God going to keep in perfect peace? Everybody? No. Those who have a filter on their thinking. And so, I, I get, I, again, I need a little illustration this morning. And so I'm going to have some of the guys come out, Carlos and some of the other guys. And, uh, and what I want you to picture, the stage here is, is your mind. And the guys are like thoughts in your mind. Now, don't die, guys. Like, there's a, there's, just don't come too close to the front. How many, you look at this and you're like, that's like, Maddie, you're close, bro. You're close. You're killing me. You're killing me. How many of this is your mind? 
A thought comes along and you're like, come on in and go wherever you want. Just roam around. Have fun while you're doing it. If you want to leave, you can leave. It's really up to you. This is your space, you know, thoughts. You do what you want to do. The Paul said, take them captive. Submit them to the Lord. So here's what I'm going to take you. You're bigger than me, but I'm going to take you captive. I'm going to take you captive. Come on, I'm going to take you captive. Okay, here we go. I'm going to move this very carefully. This is the entrance to my mind now. God, can this one come in? No. God, how about this thought? Hmm. Double no? Okay, dub. <laughs> Sorry, Maddie. How about this one? Yeah? Okay, it's good. This one? No. Listen. Every thought submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Here's why this matters. Otherwise, you're going to come along and you're going to start playing patty cake with things that were sent to destroy your life, with thoughts that were meant to rob you of God's joy and God's plan and God's vision and God's fullness in your life. You will entertain that which the devil sent to destroy you. Can we give it up for these guys? I mean, this was awesome. <laughs> you guys will have to... Guys, I'll have to line up differently in the second service so you don't get a complex. Maybe we'll have some more yeses in the second service. Jesus. Jesus said this in, in John 14. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I, I give to you. My peace. Come on, that means that peace is not the absence of your problems. Peace is not trying to keep anything that would make you afraid out of your life. Peace is not the absence of problems. It is the presence of Jesus. And Jesus says, I, I don't give like the world gives. Not as the world gives do I give to you. See, the world says that peace is a beach. Or peace is an amount of money in your bank account. Or, or peace is if that person likes you. And there are all kinds of people, God bless them, that have all three of those things and have zero peace in their lives. Peace is not something, it is someone. Jesus said, my peace. He is our peace. So he says, once you identify the thing that you're afraid of, now you start to guard your mind against that thing and you submit it to me. Now, all this sounds good, but it sounds at this point like a lot of this is still done in my power and my ability. Which brings us to the third resource that God has given us to deal with fear. And thank God this one has nothing to do with us. Because if it all had to do with my ability to take control of my own mind, I understand there are times I'm just not feeling all that strong. Times I'm just not feeling like I have the ability to do it in my own strength or power, which is why God gave us this third resource to deal with fear in our lives. And the third way that we deal with fear and we change the soundtrack and we say, hey, DJ, give me a different beat. God, I need your thoughts is this. We replace our fear with God's love. We replace fear with God's love love. First John verse 4 says, there is no fear in love. Come on, say that with me. There is no fear in love. Not less fear, no fear in God's love. Why? Because perfect love casts out fear. Look at that relationship between fear and love. Paul also, that was what he was telling Timothy. He said, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power. And what was the second thing? There's this relationship in our lives between God's love and 
fear and that God's love evicts fear. Our girls right now, they're at that preschool age, they're, they're four and two, where everything is about being afraid of monsters. It's bizarre to me. I have no, when they were born, I was super protective dad. I like, they're never going to watch a movie about monsters. They're never going to hear. I'm never going to mention monsters. There's never, I, I, like, whatever we have to do, they're just not going to think about monsters. They're going to be, I'm going to protect them from that sort of thinking. And then, and then the other night, I was praying with Avia before bed, and I, I just said, go ahead, Avi, what do you want to pray for tonight? And she said, God, I pray that you would um, keep us from monsters tomorrow on the way to school, because I wanna, I'm going to be the VIP, and I want to get to be the VIP tomorrow. And I'm like... Girl, I don't ever remember a monster on the way to school. Like, when was the last time you saw a monster on the drive to school? I don't know where this comes from in a preschooler's mind, and I don't know how long this goes on for. Maybe it lasts into elementary school. We had Wyland now 13 days ago, which if you haven't seen him, uh, he's there with Rachel right at the back. Wyland, woo, love you, buddy. And I said this last week. I I just, it sounds so, you know, like, I want you to go look at him, but if you kiss him, I'm going to knock you out. That's all I just got to say. Just don't, he's 13 days old. Look at him. Just don't kiss him. That's just my warning. Some, some of you are like, no, why would anyone kiss a baby? But there was one of you in the room. That was for you. <laughs> just the one. I don't know when you came to church, and I don't want you to kiss my baby, but I still love you as your pastor. Wylan, first time we put Wylan in Alencia's lap, she's our two-year-old. This is the first time we put him in her lap. <coughs> can, I hold, can I hold Wylan? Yeah. So we sit her down on the couch, and we put Wylan on her, and she looks down at him, and I kid you not, I'm not making this up. She looked down at him, and she said, hey, Wylan, I'll protect you from the monsters. Very first thing she said. She's two years old. She's thinking about monsters. Here's the relationship between fear and love. And what the Bible is saying that there's, there's no fear in love, and Paul's saying God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you power, and what he, the centerpiece of what he gave you is, is love. Here's how this plays out, practically speaking. Of course, I'm going to tell Avia and Lindsay that there are no monsters. But you've been told not to fear your fears your whole life, and you still are. So I'm not just going to tell them that monsters don't exist, and they don't have anything to fear. In fact... Throughout their lives, they have to hear from me that there are things that they, that they can and will fear and that fear is normal. I don't want to give them some sort of super weird Christian mind that says, don't even pretend that anything could ever make you afraid. The Bible does not say that either. No, it just says that we got tools and resources from God to deal with your fear. And so we're not going to try and tell them there's nothing to fear. I am going to tell them there's no monsters, but I'm going to tell you, don't have, you there's no monsters and, and, and you don't have to be afraid of monsters. But that is not enough. They need God's love. God's love is the thing that evicts fear. And so when Avia said that to me, what we started, right away, we just started to sing about God's love. Just going to sing, I'm going to sing old school songs. I'm going to sing new school. I'm just any song that I can think of that deals with God's love. Whenever I hear about the monsters, okay, let's just sing about the love of God. When she came to me this morning and she had big tears about the orchestra pit and daddy falling in and never coming back, I, I didn't say, honey, you know what? They're going to build a four-foot barrier in front and daddy's not going to trip in. I sat down with her in the front of our church and I said, honey, let's think about the love of God. Let's just let that soak right into your heart right now to let you know that you don't need to be afraid. God loves you. God is with us. And God's going to do great things today. Come on, somebody. It is God's love that evicts fear. And so what I want you to do right now is I want you to say this with me. Say, fear, 
I'm serving you an eviction notice. You are not going to stay here anymore. I receive God's love. Come on, say it like you believe it. Say, fear. Here's your eviction papers. Because I receive God's love. Oh, I'm not saying you're never going to feel fear, the onset of fear. I'm just saying that's going to come to your mind. It is going to line up. It is going to want in. God, did this come from you? No. What do I need to do to deal with this? God, I need your love. I need to pause right now. I need to notice the thing I'm afraid of. It might be deeper than the, than the first thing I was thinking of. It, it, it might be the fear of man or it might be the fear of not having enough. And that fear might come from a number of different reasons. I'm going to identify where it comes from. But then, God, I'm just going to let your love speak to that place in my heart. This isn't ultimately just about no fear. This is about how we do community as a church. Watch this in 1 John. John says, let us love one another for love comes from God. And then in verse 8 he says, God is love. And so God giving us his love to deal with fear. It's not just something he does. It's who he is. You can count on it. It's his character. It's his nature. But then watch what happens. Dear friends, here's the outcome. Since God so loved us. God doesn't just love you. He so loves you. Since God so loved us. If this is the way God loved us, what do we do? We also ought to love one another. This is why dream team matters. This is why small groups matter. Because we don't just receive the love of God to evict fear from our minds. We don't just receive the love of God so that we can have a more peaceful existence. We receive the love of God so we can turn around and in community distribute God's love to one another. It's not just for me. It's not just for my fear. It's for other people. God is wanting to use your life as a plate to serve his love to some other people. Come on, God created you in love. He cares for you in love. And now he wants to take that love that is being poured into your heart and turn and use you to distribute it to other people in 2019. Because you thought your capacity was maxed out in 2018, but you hadn't received more of God's love. Imagine how much time you're going to have in your life when you can stop fretting and being afraid. It's going to give you back a whole bunch of your energy, a whole bunch of your time. 2019, your capacity is enlarged, not by trying harder or thinking that I'm going to get better, but by receiving God's love. So in a minute, we're going to return back into worship. I just want to boldly declare you don't just have to dream about letting go of that fear God has paid for and made a provision to evict fear in your life with this love so God I thank you right now that in this place God your presence is here far greater than my words is the power now of your Holy Spirit to come and manifest the love of God into our hearts. In Jesus' name. God, we lean into your love. We lean into your love. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you stand all over the room? And if you feel comfortable, would you raise your hands to God just in this posture and this, this way of receiving? Just, God, I receive your love. And just in your own words, with your own song, just say, God, I, I believe and I receive that your love comes today to give me freedom in Jesus' name. Come on, church. Let's sing this out.
as we go into week two of, of 21 days of prayer. Maybe you just need a love focus in your prayer this week. You think maybe that feels selfish. No, God wants to anchor you. The Bible says being rooted and established in love. It might just be where you, it is always where you need to start. And I invite you to just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment. You might be here in the room this morning and, and you'd say, Pastor Shane, I, I actually never received God's love in the way that you're talking about today. I don't have a relationship with God either. Either I've never entered into one through faith in Jesus Christ, or maybe at some point in my life I did, but 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 it's not there today. Before you leave here today, I, I want to play, pray a closing prayer with you to make a decision to receive the love of God. So if that's you in the room today, you're saying, today I need to make a faith decision to put God first in my life, the Bible calls it salvation. It's very clear, the Bible's always clear that salvation is a gift from God based on his love through his grace in Jesus Christ on the cross for you. And so if today you say, I need to receive salvation either for the very first time in my life or today I'm coming back to Jesus, would you just take a moment, just raise your hand? And I want to let you know that we're not going to center you out or embarrass you in any way that no one is looking around. I just want to simply include you in this closing prayer. Would you say, yeah, that's me, Pastor. Would you include me in that closing prayer today? Today before God, I make a decision to put God first in my life and I receive his salvation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah. So great. So great. We're going to pray together, church. Whether you raise your hand or not, let's pray this out with those who are making this faith decision today. Say, dear Jesus, I give you my whole heart, every bit, and I choose to follow you. I receive your love. Not because of what I've done. Because Jesus died and rose again. So I could be forgiven. I receive it. Oh, come on, say it like you mean it. I receive it. And I choose to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Can we put our hands together for those who prayed that incredible prayer today? It's great.